Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hey, pump it up. You know you pump it up. <laughs> <laughs> what comes next? <laughs> Hi, Sophie. How are you today? Yeah, I'm raring to go, doll. How are you? I'm really good. Look, I think... We're going to go through our highs and lows, but I think it's fair to say that this week's been a bit of a high for us. Yeah, we're not going to lie. We have been working away for Beyond Play with Fisher-Price this week, but we have been having some little mum time away without our children and we have been really enjoying each other's company, not working, like, you know, being able to switch off and actually have a conversation and get to know each other because believe it or not, Sophie and I don't really know each other that well. It is really funny. I think people assume, I mean, we did a Q&A the other night and people thought we were sisters or sister-in-laws. We knew one another for six months before we started this <laughs> podcast. So often we are literally finding out things on air and because we're both quite busy, we actually outside of recording don't get to hang out that much. So Look, we're still talking. I've noticed that when we got into actually um, where we're staying that Sophie doesn't have a map brain. So she basically, she can pretty much drive on autopilot and have no idea or concept where she is no matter how many times we go down the same path and road. She's like, oh, is it left or right? I'm like, it's left. Anyway, it's good to know I can do something better than Sophie. Yeah, she turns to me, she goes, God, you've got a shocking map brain. Yeah, my navigation <laughs> is just woeful. Uh, and, yeah, we've just all got to know our strengths and weaknesses. That's why we've got GPS nowadays. <laughs> Google map. Now, what have been your highs and lows of the week? Oh, well, I've got to say that this is at my high. I have loved this week. I have loved the Q&As. I've loved everyone that has enjoyed doing that with us and laughing and so much so that we are bringing your lovely ears a episode all on an unfiltered podcast and episode about any question that you know you guys write in so you do have the chance this week um, if you're listening to what day is it (laughs) because people will listen back to this and be like uh I missed the chance but anyway we are bringing out an episode on that which will be great My other high is Yumi while I've been away. She has got her little cast taken off her arm. She is, she's been so brave. She has some minor little grazes because of how rough it is on her arm. But besides that, she is happy and loving her two arms back. So good. And any lows? Lows are, oh, okay. This is, everyone's going to be like, Jade, who cares? But for me, it is a saddish moment. There's something wrong with my stomach. And it's going to be funny if we look back on this and there is like some sort of, I have an operation and we've had, you know, episodes. But yes, guys, she's talking about alcohol again. Okay. So I, for the past five weeks, I can't have wine. I'm put off wine. Now I've been put off gin entirely. And 
anything else seems to burn my stomach, like really burn, burn my stomach. So I have just been really, really dry and just, yeah, just like healthy, I guess. Like I haven't <laughs> no, intentionally. Been really trying to drink. It's just not happening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe that is it. Anyway, what about your highs and lows? Yeah, my highs for this week has definitely been being away, recording the second season of Beyond Play, spending time with you, getting just, yeah, a bit of time to relax and rejuvenate while also working at the same time. Another high is just the amount of love we have had pouring in for Mm. last week's episode. If you haven't listened yet, it was on a mother's mental load and it's just, yeah, it's been really amazing. Your feedback that we have got from that episode. I mean, the reason we do this is to try and help other mums feel less alone, feel more understood, more supported, lighter in this journey. So yeah, it really seems like that episode did do that for a lot of people. Mm. So I guess that's like that's that's what we aim to do. So it's amazing when we do achieve that. And thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks so much. And your low? My low is silly. And oh, don't lo- say you miss your kids. No, 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 no. I'm really excited to go back and see my kids today. But no, gosh, that's not my low at all. My low is that I need to develop a thicker skin. Oh, yeah. So this morning we were reading a couple of negative reviews that came in and I really let them get to me. And Jade is like, so they're like two out of like however many hundred that have come in negative, but I just don't, I think because this platform is designed to make people feel supported when, when people get the opposite from it, it's not like I'm offended. I'm just like, oh, that's not what we set out to do. So we got some feedback saying that someone felt like our last episode was really privileged and whiny. And, you know, what about the people out there that are single parents? And the thing is like, I'm sorry if we ever came across as privileged and whiny, but I think also sometimes the pressure that's put on mums not to be able to whine about day-to-day stuff, which sure, if that's the biggest issue in your life, that may be privilege. But I just think you have to give people the space to vent about issues in their lives. And I hand on heart commend any single parent out there. I do not know how you do it. I don't know how I would do it. But it's also not the space for Jade and I to come on and talk about how a mental load must be for a single parent because we haven't done that. And that's why we have guests on this platform every now and again so that they can share their different experiences. So I just, I'm sorry if the episode offended anyone. 99.9% of you have absolutely loved it. So I shouldn't let the one person. No, you shouldn't. 0.01% get to me, but I just don't want anyone to ever come away from this podcast feeling you know, heavy, heavier (laughs) than when they started listening. No, but also there are reasons why we have, you know, we can't keep everybody happy and we can't like if, you know, we are quite similar in, we have husbands and we have relationships and we have things that are similar and we don't have that extra person. So that is exactly why we have our guests on that talk about different things that we don't understand. And we hope that that brings some light that way with things when it comes to us having a conversation it is generally just us having a conversation yeah. and you know if that affects you then just either tell us what you would like us to focus on and maybe we can do that because we want to support you and if you don't and you're just grumpy and whatever good on you 
All right, we're coming to you today with two rude or fabulouses. We don't have any mum hacks for you today because we've been talking about mum hacks all week on Beyond Play and we're all dried up and we've forgotten how to parent. So (laughs) we'll come back with mum hacks next week. But the rude or fabulous that got sent in, someone asked, please keep this anonymous, which we will. Rude or fabulous, my mother-in-law telling me about the affair she had while with her ex-husband, an affair that her son my husband has absolutely no idea about. What would you do in that situation? I actually really don't know. I, I, one, you would hope that they would ask if I tell you something that you can't tell your partner, would you be okay with that? I would just say no. Because usually 99% of the time I will tell my husband everything and I would would like the chance to be able to, you know, because you can't unhear that. I think if my mother-in-law told me that, I would say because you've told me now, I would really appreciate it if If you you told told him. Great idea. Yeah, don't be the person in the middle. Yeah. Just say, look, you need to tell him because I can't. And why did you tell me? So rude or fabulous? Um, I think it is. I think it's a bit rude. Yeah, let's put it in the rude bucket. Yeah. All right. But let's go to rude or fabulous number two. Um, This came in. My nan telling my brother, who is a paramedic, to always wear protection so you don't (laughs) catch anything. She followed it up with, I mean, gloves after realising what she said. Oh, it's fabulous. Nan, you're fabulous. Any nan are like unintentionally talking about sex is fabulous. Fabulous. All right, now let's get into today's episode. We chatted to Rochelle Curry, Rochelle, Rochelle, who is a first-generation Australian. Her parents are from Sri Lanka, and she spoke about that uh, experience growing up. She also touched about the fact that in the past she has had anorexia and how that then, I guess, affected her experience of pregnancy and postpartum. What else we talked about? Well, a small business and how she now focuses her way of thinking, a positive way of thinking about her body and the way she shows her children now about that, which is quite important. And she tells a really nice story about how her family came to Australia. It's quite incredible. So we really hope you enjoy this one because we loved it. Absolutely, enjoy. Hello, Rochelle. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Bump. I feel like we've been chatting on Instagram for so long, so it's so nice to finally almost talk to you face to face. Can you start (laughs) off by telling our lovely listeners a bit about yourself and your family and your background? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. So my name's Rochelle Curry. I am a mum to two little ones. I've got a daughter named Willow and a little boy named Arden. I am um, I'm married. I live in Melbourne. I'm the founder of a little beauty brand called Nila Botanics. And yeah, I've, I'm born and bred Australian, but yeah, have grown up in a very, I guess, diverse environment. And yeah, so that's that's a bit about me. <laughs> Fantastic. And tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah, so it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day and so my parents, I'll, I'll give you a bit of a back story about my parents. I actually didn't realise that my family story was very interesting, I guess, because it's like your own family story. Like I didn't realise how interesting it was until I was like in, I think it was third year uni and I was in a um, media relations. So I, my background is in PR. So I did a Bachelor of Communications and majored in public relations and we had like a media relations class and the topic was um, we had to write an essay about like our family or I can't quite remember the topic, but 
I did like this creative writing piece about the story of my parents moving to Australia, which starts off, they they were newlywed, the war broke out in Sri Lanka and they moved to Australia with nothing but one blue Samsonite suitcase, which we still have because wow. I guess I could never get rid of it. Yeah. Um, so I moved to this country with one suitcase, nothing else, no belongings. They moved here with my dad's sister and her husband and my cousin. And like literally like, you know, from Sri Lanka, like didn't know anyone, didn't have jobs set up, didn't have like life savings, like didn't really have anything. And they just moved here to start a better life. And I wrote this story about how they'd like, of all the things they had achieved in the time that they'd been here. And my, my teacher sort of pulled me aside one day and she was like, I actually want to submit this essay to the immigration museum. Like, would you be okay with that? And I was like, yeah, like, is it really that interesting? (laughs) Sure. And she was like, no, it's a really interesting story. So I guess like my parents, like our family upbringing, like I didn't know any better. I just thought this was normal life, obviously. And I guess that there would be so many different experiences of what it's like to grow up as an immigrant child, Um, like first generation Australian is probably the best, the, the correct term. But my parents were very much like they wanted us to assimilate into Australian culture while still holding on to like their Sri Lankan heritage. So for example, they spoke to my sister and I in English at home but they spoke to each other in Tamil. So we learnt Tamil from hearing them speak it to each other. Oh, wow. So my parents were refugees. So they didn't have permanent residency status for seven years. And every month my parents would receive a letter from the government saying that they had 30 days to leave the country. My mum has still got all of those letters. I don't know why. I, I was like, I, thought, <laughs> I, I would have, I was like, didn't you burn them all when you like got your permanent residence? Like, why wouldn't you just She's be got like, them yes. framed all around her house? <laughs> I was like, why would you keep these? But I think for her, it was like, no, like you've got to, you've got to know the struggle. Like you have to like, you can't yeah. ever forget the struggle. Yeah. And like, so they worked like factory jobs. We were in childcare from as early as I can remember. Like, I don't ever remember having, like, I remember like on school holidays, I would be so jealous of kids that had their parents home. I'm like, I just want my mum to be yeah. home with us, but they would always be working. And so they, they did like opposite shifts. So my mum would work afternoons and my dad would do the morning and they would kind of look after us on their own. So I guess they were basically single parenting without, yeah, you know, but together. And, um, and then we would go and pick up my mum from afternoon shift and all that sort of stuff. And the things that were crazy was that obviously we didn't have um, Medicare, so we didn't have free healthcare, but my dad spoke fluent Greek, which is so random, but, but he, when he was, when he was like 17. This is a Ripper he, family story. I'm I loving like, it. So, so crazy. So like when he was 17, he moved out of home and went and worked on the Greek um, ships. And so he learned, he's very good with like culture. And so learned Greek very quickly. And so he was fluent in Greek. And so when we moved to Australia, he found like a little Greek community, I guess, because they were like, wow, you speak Greek. And they just like welcomed him in with open arms. <laughs> and so there was a doctor that we found. He was a Greek doctor and he gave us free medical care, oh. um, which was amazing. And then my dad found a job. It was like a, a Greek sort of run factory and, and he got work through there. And just like, it was like, yeah, it just worked out. Like they were very much like go get it. They were like, we can't just wait for things to happen. 
we have to go do things ourselves. And so, you know, like it was just amazing. Like just now that I think about it, like at the house we had, like our neighbours were our landlord and they were like this old Greek couple. And, you know, they were just, you know, they gave us like really cheap rent, looked after us and that sort of stuff. And just like, I think like the the goodness of humanity really shines through like of people sort of helping each other out. And then when we finally got our permanent residency, I think it was just like my parents were like, it was the first time they could go back to Sri Lanka because obviously Mm -hmm. they couldn't, Mm. they didn't want to leave the country. And so I think we got our permanent residency and we went back like a year later, but it was so crazy because I was just like so ingrained in like Australian culture. I was like, this is weird. Like, like, I can't believe you grew up here. And like, you know, just, I remember like one night I wanted to go and get like a snack and I was like, why can't we just go to the supermarket? And my mom's like, it doesn't work like that here. Like we can't just go to Coles at night. Like there's curfews because there was like a war still going on when we went there and all that sort of thing. And I guess my parents, they were very much like, you know, they wanted us to have both worlds. So like, you know, I went to Tamil school. My sister did like Indian dancing but then at the same time, like I, I did Cub Scouts because my parents were like, you know, let's get you involved in everything. Yeah. And, you know, did piano lessons and basketball, but then on weekends we'd spend time with all our Sri Lankan friends and family and all that sort of thing. So I think, yeah, it was a really like, I, I would say that not everyone would have had the same experience, especially in like the Sri Lankan culture. But my parents were very much like, you need to have both. Like we want you to have both Did you ever find that confusing growing up? Like, you know, like what is my culture? What is my identity? Yeah, not really. I think like there were times where I remember like, for example, and that was the thing, like my parents would always give us like sandwiches to school. Like I know some kids struggle with like the The food, lunchbox like thing, that, yeah. The lunchbox thing. My parents were very much like, you know, like that, like I don't ever remember having that as a, you know, as something that I struggled with. But I do remember like there were times where like kids at school would like, you know, just to bully you would say like, oh, you smell like curry. And I would be like, well, like I don't because like I don't even bring it to school and that's just like (laughs) stupid. And so like I think I was like, you know, a little bit like, "Mm, yeah, that's not true, you know, kind of like would give it back. But I think the struggle, to be honest, I think like my whole upbringing, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't until I had my children that I was like, whoa. And my husband's Australian, so my kids are a mixed race. And I think it was when I had my kids that I was like, if I'm not intentional with my culture, it's going to be lost. And so that's where it was like, okay, where do I find the balance? How do I like include them in, in the culture? How do I do it in a way where they like love it? And they're not like, oh my gosh, like we hate this stop forcing this on us. Because I was going to say one of the reasons maybe that you never saw your story, you know, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe you never saw your story as interesting is because I feel like sometimes, especially when kids are in school, like the last thing they kind of want to be is interesting. I feel like as kids so often you just want to blend in and maybe nowadays that's getting embraced now a bit more than maybe when we were in school do you feel like maybe that's why you didn't find it interesting definitely I think I definitely was like I I think I also like never really saw color and so Mm. I just was like we're all the same and things would come out like when for example like I remember after I'd gotten married obviously my surname changed 
and I would have like phone interviews and things. And then I would go in for an interview and the person interviewing me would be like, oh, you look so different to what we imagined. And I'd be like, oh, is that because I sound really Australian and I have an Australian looking name? But then, you know, like it wouldn't be until things like that where I'm like, oh, okay. Like people see it, but I don't, like, I don't see the And even like my, like I would say my group of friends are very diverse. Like I have a lot of Australian friends. I have a lot of like, you know, like it's very multicultural, but it's not like a thing where I find that I'm like only hanging out with people that are like Sri Lankan and I'm, or I'm only hanging out with people that are straight. It's very diverse because I just don't think I see the color. Do you find that being in Melbourne, that is a place that has a lot of multicultural? Yes. Definitely. I remember being in like year 10 and we went on like a family trip to like a true <laughs> And I remember being like, my mum, I'm like, we are the only brown people here. <laughs> but that's something I'm like- so conscious of where yeah. we live is that literally everybody is blonde with blue eyes. And wow. I somehow birthed a blonde haired blue-eyed child I'm like is there something in the water and it's something I'm so conscious of having grown up in Melbourne where you know like the school I went to was incredibly multicultural and then all of a sudden I live in this place where it is so the antithesis of diverse (laughs) and I'm like how do I you know like get my kids to see more diversity and look we've got books and that kind of thing but I'm like I want them to see it in real life see it in real life it's so true and I think it's really true like growing up in Melbourne you are a little bit spoiled with the multiculturalism of like it's not even just like the people in the schools it's like the fact that in any suburb you can literally get like any cuisine like like the food element and I think cultures experience so much through food and I think yeah it's just it is it is definitely something that I guess yeah Melbourne's probably been something that I've been really it's been and you know it's funny like I asked my parents because my my mum has a brother in Canada my dad has siblings in France and Finland and Canada as well and I was like why did you guys move to Australia like I'm like I'm so grateful because I love it here Mm. (laughs) but like like why Australia why not Canada where you already had siblings living there and they were like well how it worked was that they had like a travel, well, I don't know if it would be a travel agent, but whoever was organizing the flights at the time, it was like, well, everyone this month is going to Australia. That was just kind of how oh. it is. It's like, and it was, she's like, we didn't really get a choice. It was kind of like, well, this month it's Australia. So we were going to Australia. And, and was it um, on a plane? It was on a plane yeah. and, um, and they had to like have this story that they were visiting for, cause obviously like to get a visa, you have to have like a reason to visit. Um, and it was like, they were coming for a wedding. They weren't coming for a wedding. <laughs> they were coming for a wedding. And well, they, were, really they eventually got married, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. They just got married. So they were coming for a wedding and then and then they just never left. And it was it was hard. It was a hard season for my parents, I think, because so they came here with my dad's sister and, and her family. They got granted refugee status immediately. Like it was like straight away they were like, Yep, you're refugees. You've fled the war, like you can stay. But my parents didn't. It was the weirdest thing because they were like, they, they couldn't understand. They're like, we came on the plane together. Like we came from the same place. We came from the same village, <laughs> like literally. And like, it was like, they were deemed as like, yep, acceptable refugees, but my parents weren't. And so I think that was something they struggled with a bit. And my mum would say every time someone would rock up to her work in a suit, Oh she was gosh, so, she, yeah. she thought it was like an immigration person coming to like, you know, and I like, I was like, 
Like now I think I'm like, that's so crazy. Like that you even thought that any time. And she was like, well, I just didn't know. And then she was like, we, when we went to school, she was scared that someone would come and like yeah. take us out of school or like, like, I think it was just like all these fears just played. Like, I think my dad was a little bit more, or maybe he did have the fears, but he didn't talk about them, but he was just like, you know, it's fine. But my mom, I think just like carried a lot of this burden, you know? And so she had like postnatal depression. Like, I mean, having children, no parents, like, completely new country. like so she was pregnant when they moved and here a so like letter every month and a saying every you have month. like I that is the thing I would find that crippling going yeah. I don't know in 30 days if this is going to be my home if this is going to be my yeah. kids home if this is going to be yeah if I think about it now and I'm like when I get a message from <laughs> if I get a text message from Vodafone being like your bill's overdue I'm like oh crap I better like <laughs> sort that out because you're like oh my phone's gonna get barred if I don't sort it out but like you know in in like to be like you can be deported we will like force you out of the country if you do not leave in 30 days like yeah it's pretty it's pretty scary like yeah it, it is really scary when you think about it but I think my mum especially just carried so much of it all like and she never vocalized anything so like and we had no idea like as kids we had no idea we had no idea anything was ever like that they, that they were worried about things they never talked about things in front of us I remember like we would as kids like we'd go and like look at houses or like in the paper because you know back in the day when like real estate was in the paper and I'd be like mommy look at this house it has a swimming pool like can we buy this house and like I didn't quite understand that they couldn't buy a house because like we're technically weren't supposed to be here and so like as soon as we got like granted permanent residency they bought a house and we went to Sri Lanka and all that sort of stuff but yeah like just to like now that I think what age were you when that happened when that happened I think I was six so grade one um when we got and my sister would have been yeah eight eight or nine so yeah we're two years apart and yeah it's just it's it's crazy. Like now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, this is like a really incredible story. But it, like a lot of things make sense as I get older. And I think after having kids, like you never really appreciate your mum until you have children oh, and you're like, oh 100%. my gosh, I can't believe how much you did. It's and incredible. then to know like everything she went through, like not having any support, having to put us in childcare, not wanting to, but just having to, like, you know, like it wasn't her choice. Like she didn't, she didn't want to miss out on all of these years, but it was just like, well, this is what we have to do. And, you know, like now she says, oh, in hindsight, I probably didn't have to work as much, but I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know how things would have turned out because they were like, they were kind of like, well, if we are going back to Sri Lanka, we, we need to save as much money as we can so that we can live in a good area send our kids to good schools where like they'll be safe as opposed to like living in a part of the country where it wasn't safe so they were thinking about all of like all of those things of like you know we just need to make as much money as we can to either go back or to like you know set ourselves up well here so they worked a lot but yeah and then like she did have postnatal depression that went undiagnosed, but it's not surprising that she had postnatal depression given all that she was going through. And I think, yeah, she, she didn't quite understand it, but yeah, after I had kids, I was like, I don't know. Like, I just remember one day like holding Willow and I just thought about everything she went through. And I think I just like cried for like two hours. I was like, I don't know how she did that. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into motherhood? Like did how you found conception? Was it challenging your pregnancy? Everything. Conception was, was like, we got pregnant straight away with Willow. I felt very lucky. I wasn't sure if that would happen because I had actually had an eating disorder prior to that. And 
at one point became anorexic. And I remember my doctor saying to me, like, you may struggle to get pregnant. Mm. So just keep that in, in mind and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, it was amazing. We did it. We got pregnant straight away, which was amazing. But the pregnancy, oh my gosh, like I had the worst morning sickness. I could not eat. I could not keep anything down. I think it was probably like five weeks where it was like that. I had to take time off work. I remember my mum coming over. <laughs> she, she never had morning sickness, so she didn't understand. Like she's like, neither did my mum, and she like, was like, yeah. oh yeah, I was tired sometimes. I was yeah. like, oh my god, like, I man. One day she came. I was like, mum, I think I could. I think I can eat some special K. Like, can you bring her? So she came over with some special K, and she was literally like feeding it to me. And I like had one bite. And I'm like, nah, can't do it. Then I like threw it all up. And then she's like sitting on the couch opposite me, and she's looking at me. She's like. I don't understand. She's like, I don't, like, <laughs> like, do you like? She's like, do you really feel sick? Like, are you, like you're not. I'm like, I'm not making this up, mum. I'm telling you. Like, and now I feel like, like a hot dog. Now go get me a hot dog. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, it's really. And she's like, I don't know what this feels like. So the sickness was really bad, and then it was actually a very traumatic. From twenty, I think it was from twenty weeks, I actually started to bleed, and I oh gosh, didn't know like why. I remember like I was actually I just hit twenty weeks. And I went to the bathroom at like two o'clock in the morning and there was blood and I was like, oh my gosh. And I was with, like, I was going through a private doctor, like an obstetrician, but I didn't, didn't realize that I could call him at three o'clock in the morning. I didn't, mm. I didn't know that was a thing. And so I went to the local emergency department because I was like, well, I'm bleeding and I just need to get to a doctor. I need to get to someone quickly. So I went to mm. the emergency department and when they cottoned on that I was a private patient, they were really angry at me. They were just like, why are you here? And I was like, because I'm bleeding, like, and I'm pregnant. And they were like, you shouldn't be here. You're not a patient here. And I was like, but it's a public hospital. Like, really? Like, isn't I'm, anyone I'm like, a patient here? I'm like, yeah. And then they were like, well, you know, we're not going to do an ultrasound. We'll just, you know, we'll just check your cervix. And then I was like, okay, like, that's fine, whatever. And so they put like a monitor on to see if there was a heartbeat and they could hear a heartbeat. But the lady that was looking after me obviously like did not have very good bed manners. And she was just like, look, you're 20 weeks. If it's what we think it is, it's probably placenta previa, which basically means you lose the baby. So just prepare yourself. I'm just like, oh, okay. I'm like shaking. I was like, okay. So like, I was like, so there's nothing that you can do. No way that we can save the baby. And she's like, 20 weeks is too early. She's like, if you were 28, maybe, but 20 is a bit early. I was like, okay. And then all I was thinking in this time was like, I freaking went through like 15 weeks of bloody morning sickness just to lose this baby. Like this is not happening like right now. Like I can't believe this, you know? And I was just like, you know, like, and then the doctor came and she was like, no, your placenta looks okay. Didn't do an old turn. I think just sent me home. And I was like, okay. Like that was weird. Called my obstetrician in the morning and he was like, why didn't you call me at two o'clock? And I was like, I didn't realize I could. <laughs> Yeah. And then he was like, come in, we'll do an ultrasound and everything was fine. And so we don't know what the bleed came from. Like we have no idea, but then every six weeks it would happen again. And so every six weeks I would go in, they would do an internal ultrasound. Everything was fine. And I remember just being like, I just need to get to 30 weeks. I just need to get to 32 weeks. I just need to get to like, I just kept in my head. I was like, I just need to get to like the next milestone where it's like, okay for the baby to be born early and they'll survive. She made it to like 40 plus one. So, oh, oh my wow. gosh. And that would have felt Crazy. like the longest thing 40, ever. Yeah. I've heard from so many like, people who were like waiting to have a preemie baby for so yes. long and then they go over and they're like, oh my God, this pregnancy's yes. been going back. And like, and I was premature. I was eight weeks early. So I think they were like, well, you were early. So like, you, you know, you might have an early baby. And I was just like, 
Like you just like all these things that everyone's like, yeah, th- these are like the equations, you know, this is like kind of how it works, but like the formulas or whatever, and it never does. And, and I was no just one like, has yeah, was like, any real idea, do they? No. And she came like 40, yeah, like literally on time, totally fine. Everything was good. She had like a milk protein allergy. So like her first six months, like she just she wouldn't gain weight. They were like, well, we need to weigh it every week because her weight gains very slow. And so I remember one week I went and they weighed her and then weighed her the next week and her weight hadn't changed. And I was like, what? And they were like, yep, three point, well, well, it was like 3.6 kilos. And I was like, that's what she was last week. And they're like, yeah, she hasn't gained weight. And I was like, but I'm like feeding her and she's doing wet nappies and like we're changed. Like, well, how is she not gaining weight? And then they realized they did like some testing and then found that she had a milk protein allergy. And they're like, so basically everything you're giving her is just going straight. So then I had to change my diet completely and then she started to gain weight. But it was really interesting because this is kind of where I came across Ayurveda. So like my parents, my whole life, every time we were sick, would give us some sort of like concoction and I'd be like, just give me the Panadol. And like my dad would always talk about like, you know, heating and cooling the body and all this sort of stuff. And I'd be like, just like, I just, I just want the antibiotics. I just go to the doctor and my dad would be like, you know, go to the doctor, let's make you this thing. And I'm like, no, I just, and I was never really into it. I don't know why. I was just very much like, no, like herbs Fix me quickly. Like I need the antibiotics, I need the pills, whatever. And then Willow was very colicky, would just always vomit, like every every feed she'd spew. And um, I, like one day I think I was feeding her at my mum's house and she like vomited again. And my mum's like, I'm sick and tired of this. And she, so she goes to the kitchen and she makes this tea and she comes out, she's like, drink this. And I'm like, me? You want me to drink it? And she's like, yes, drink this. And I was just like, what is it? She's like, I'm not telling you, just drink it. And I was like, all right. So I drank this. And I was like, what is this? And so I drank this tea and she's like, it'll go through your milk. It should stop her vomiting. And I was like, all right, whatever. I'll try anything at this point. Because I was just sick and tired of changing the clothes. I'm yeah. like, oh, God. We'd, <laughs> we'd, I'd feed her, put her in the car. We'd get to the somewhere and then we'd be like, oh, yeah, she's sorry up. I have to change her again. <laughs> like, it was just like, I was so over all the wet clothes. And then so I drank this tea and then like I fed her her next feed. She didn't vomit. And I was like. Get out. And what the heck? Like, what did you just That's give That's a coincidence. Me? And I was just like. <laughs> like, I refuse yeah. to I believe just, it. I was like, this can't be real. And she, and so then she's like, it's this tea that they drink in. It's just like a seed. And then she put it in water. And she's like, it's for like colic or reducing gas or bloating and lots of stuff. And so she's like, I feel but like it would I go need through it. your milk. I know, right? It was amazing. Tell me what it like, is. I don't, I, don't, I don't hate the taste. The, the seeds are called adjwain seeds. And so I'm sure there's another word for it. But anyway, or carom seeds, I think is another. Or car- caraway, maybe? Caraway seeds. Anyway, and it worked. And I was like, that's interesting. I was like, okay, cool. Well, well maybe like, you know, something. some of the stuff they say is true. Because they were also trying to get me to do all, all these things. Like she wanted me to eat these certain foods and I was just like not into it. And that's kind of where I started to discover a bit. I was like, well, if that worked, then what else works? And I started to discover all the stuff to do with Ayurveda and, and then went and studied it. And it was just crazy because like I didn't realize that Ayurvedic doctors were very much a part of like the family. So in my dad's side of the family, every generation, someone was an Ayurvedic doctor. So his auntie is an Ayurvedic doctor, but then it just, it stopped. Like no one, like his generation didn't learn. 
And then when I started studying them, aunties were like, oh, my gosh, it's not lost. Like, Oh, that's so nice. I was actually reading up a bit about your products and it is such a beautiful line. I'm actually really, really excited to try some because they do. They look beautiful and it sounds so interesting. Can you explain what Ayurveda is Mm. for any? Am I saying that correctly? Ayurveda. 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 It is basically like the Indian medicine so like like Chinese medicine it's the Indian version of of like their traditional um, medicine and a lot of it is derived from yeah like herbs their whole thing is like we treat we don't treat the illness we prevent the illness so it's about living a lifestyle that prevents toxins entering your body and all that sort of thing so that you live a longer and healthier life as opposed to like Western medicine, which is like, you're sick, you need a pill. It's about a lifestyle. And so the whole philosophy is like based around your digestive system. So it's like, you know, what you put into your body. Like it's, it's all about food and herbs and, and all that sort of thing. As and opposed I often to like, see yeah. it linked with meditation. Like it's a certain type yes, of meditation. Yes. Is that right? So it's, yeah. So it's like a holistic thing. So there's, so there's the food element then there's like the yoga element and then there's like the breathing element. So there's a lot of like breathing and breath work. All of that is linked to Ayurveda. And so, for example, if if someone was suffering from, say, for example, like anxiety um, or someone was like feeling a little bit depressed and they went to an Ayurvedic doctor and were like, I'm feeling a bit depressed, like what can I do to assist? They would give them like a diet. So they would say, you know, eat things that are in season, eat things that are fresh and local, all that sort of thing, you know, avoid, you know, frozen food, avoid canned food, avoid anything that, you know, has like preservatives added. And then they would also say, you know, it's also good to go out and get some fresh air. So do some exercise, you like brisk walking every day, and then also incorporate some breath work. So um, some meditation or some breathing in the, like there's this breath work called pranayama, which is like you breathe in through your nose for eight counts and then, and you, and like you hold one nostril down, all that sort of thing. There's a few like variations. I'm trying it, it right now. Yeah. So you like breathe in for eight counts and then you like, and, and, and then the idea is the way that you hold your face is like you, you like do that. So you like kind of like have your finger on like your forehead and then you use your fingers to like sort of change how you, how you're breathing in. But they don't recommend doing it when you're pregnant. Cause I remember I was pregnant, I think with Arden when I started t- studying it and we, we did it and I was just like, I'm getting really light. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh yeah, no, you don't do it. You, there's, a you bit much, be doing <laughs> there's a bit much going on with my breathing right now. Yeah. I was just like, is this normal? Um, and then, yeah, so it's, a, it's very much about a holistic approach to health. But so when my parents got um, their residency, they had the opportunity to sponsor people to move here. So my grandparents came and lived with us. How cool. So growing up, my mum's parents moved here when I was like probably seven or eight. So like literally, I think as soon as they got their residency, they're like, we're bringing over my, we her, my grandparents. We need help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like six years of like no help. And then they're like, we need it. Come and make up so, for it. So like, and then they're, they're like, like oh, yeah. fuck, they're living with us. <laughs> I, know, I know, right? Like, and so uh, well, I think it was like more annoying for us. It was great when we were kids, but then when we were teenagers, it's like, it's really annoying. But anyway, so my grandparents lived with us. So then it was crazy because then my parents spoke to us in English, but my grandma didn't speak English. So we spoke in Tamil to my grandma. So like, it was kind of like this crazy thing of like so many different languages in the home, but my grandma kind of became, like, she kind of raised us when we were little in that my mum would go, my, both my parents then shift a morning 
shift so that they could be home in the evening. So they would go both go to work in the morning and then my grandma and grandpa would look after us and they would get us ready for school. My grandpa would walk us to school, so all that special. sort of thing. And yeah, like, I'm so glad that I had that. And my grandma, like on school holidays, like we'd spend all our time with her and like, she would teach us like about geography and like all sorts of things and teach us like Sri Lankan Tamil oh, nursery gorgeous. rhymes and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, but I remember she would put oil in our hair and I used to, I mean, I didn't really care. It was like, whatever she would come in, she'd, be like, she'd, she'd get us to sit on the floor and she would like, you know, talk to us while putting oil in our hair. And it was like a morning thing that we would do. And after I had Willow, I remember driving along one day and for some reason, the memory came into my head and I called my mum and I was like, at this point, all my hair was also I was going to say, out. was it because your yep. shower it was, was post- covered yeah. Yeah. in dark in, hair? In like, and then because <sighs> I have long hair, like it just yeah. looks, it oh, looks really like it's, it's the worse. Same. And yeah. so like I called her up and I was just like, why did she put oil in her hair? I was like, what was the reason behind that? And she was like, oh, that like, you know, to help it grow. Like that's what they do in Sri Lanka. Like they put oil in it, in the, like in children's and, you know, and women would always have oil in their hair because, you know, they, it's how you like, like, you know, you're nourishing it, it helps it grow. And I was like, interesting, okay. And I was like, I wonder if this will help me. And so I remember going to Mecca, of course. I went to like Mecca and Sephora and I was like, do you guys have hair oil? Anyone have hair oil? <laughs> to get some like, authentic uh, <laughs> Sri Lankan hair oil. <laughs> and they were like, no they're like we have face oil we've got hair masks we've got conditioning treatments and I was like no 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 oils they're like, dry no. shampoo and I was like okay yeah and so then I was like all right I'll go to the I'll go to the Sri Lankan store so I went to the Sri Lankan store and I was like hair oil anyway like and then the lady was like yeah like over here and there was aisle like, five is full whole, whole whole shelf there was a whole lot of different things and I was kind of like which one's a good one and she's like I oh, know they're all good like you just kind of and I was like oh so I bought them all because they were like five or six dollars each so I just bought them all I was like whatever we'll try anything at this point You're like got I'm going bold I'm like yeah I was like I'll just I'll just mix them together whatever try them all got them home and then I remember opening them and I'm like, like some of them had really strong fragrances and I was like oh no like I can't do this like this one smells really bad and then I was like oh this one smells all right but like it didn't wash out well like I'd wash it out and I was like my hair's still oily like after washing it out and then I was like what's in these things so then I started looking up the ingredients and I'm like there's a lot of filler in a lot of these products like it would say you know king coconut oil for hair and then I would look it up and it was like there's like a tiny bit of king coconut and there's a whole lot of like numbers in these ingredients. So I was like, I wonder if I got like the actual ingredient and like played around with it, if it would work. And so that's kind of how like it all came about. I love the way your brain works. Like even just having a conversation with you, you know how you've gotten to where you are because of the way your brain ticks. It's great. It's like, it's so, and then it was so funny, like calling up these people in India, like, can I get like, you know, this organic oil sent over and then you know, speaking to like these people in Sri Lanka who like could not understand me. And I, I even like, I mean, it's probably, I don't know if this is like, I mean, all my Sri Lankan friends, like we, we do Sri Lankan accents when we're imitating our parents, you know, like when we're like, when we talk about them. And so like, um, and so I remember I was like, I'll just put on a Sri Lankan accent and talk to these people. So I'm putting on this Sri Lankan accent and they were like, what? <laughs> like they could not understand me. And I was like, could oh, you speak in Tamil to them? Well, that was a thing. So there's two languages in Sri Lanka, Tamil oh, and Sinhalese. Yeah. And um, these people didn't speak Tamil, but they spoke Sinhalese. And my mum speaks Sinhalese. So I was like, hey, mum, can you talk to them on the phone? Mm. And I was like explaining what I needed. So she's on the phone. She's like telling them what, what I want in Sinhalese. 
and they're like sorting it all out. It was just like, I can't believe this. Like I was like, I need to film this. This is crazy. Like how like I need to get her to like communicate with them anyway. And then, yeah. And then I literally started mixing oils in my bathroom, like just learning about what was good. Literally, I had like my husband was like, Can you not do this in here? Because I'm I had like glass jars and the amount that like dropped on the floor and like and he was like, Can you do this in laundry? Like, does it have to be in the bathroom? <laughs> and like I would just draw lines on the jars of like, okay, so this is where this oil ends and this is where this like because I didn't uh, like I wasn't, I had no idea what I was doing. And then like I made one and I was like, Oh, this works, like it washes out well, like my hair feels good. And then I noticed, like, and my hair, hair was going back. Right now is ridiculous. It oh, is so <laughs> shiny and <laughs> fabulous. Yes. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I was like, work. And then the best thing about, you know, being in Australia is that you have a mother's group. So I had these 10 women who I had become really good friends with who were all in the same boat. And I was just like, who wants to try this hair oil? And then I had like all these other mum friends. I'm like, can you all test this for me? Like, is your hair growing back? Like, just try it out, see what happens. And then they were all trying it. They're like, yeah, my hair's growing back. This is amazing. And so I was like, okay, like I need to do this. I love small businesses that are launched through necessity rather than the want to have a business. Like I remember Poppy got to a certain age and I was like, okay, it's about the time that I'd be returning back to work, but I don't want to return to the work that I was doing before. So just got to come up with a business and I'd sit there and I'd be like, Nah, nothing's going to you know. And I'd be like, fuck, I didn't start a business today. And then I ended up getting pregnant again. And it wasn't until, I don't know, like I feel like the podcast just started really organically and authentically and I didn't even really go into it being like this is what my job is going to be. It was kind of more yeah. like, oh, this would be a fun thing to do. And, um, yeah, I feel like there's so many mothers that put pressure on themselves being like, okay, I don't want to go back to the career I had before so I'm just going to so start true. a small business. And it's just like it's, it, and that's, like, it's so do? hard for it to start that way. It's so true. And I think like my background, so I actually had like a marketing agent, well, I, I wouldn't call in an agency I like I was like a marketing freelancer and I did that all through like my pregnancy all through like after having Willow literally I was I got an email from a client when I was in labor and I was like I'm just about to have the epidural can I call you in 10 minutes and they were like don't call us for like three months like you're having a baby (laughs) and I was just like so like I felt like I already had like my work situation sorted out so it was like yeah I wasn't even like yeah. trying to find anything. And it was just like, this sort of came up and then it was just like so many other things came out. So it was like, what are we going to call this business? And Nila means moon in Tamil. And there's this nursery rhyme that my grandma used to sing to me, which is about a moon. And it was like, a, a, like, you know, obviously had the word Nila in it. And I was like, I really liked that, yeah, you know, that beautiful. word. And so that's kind of how that all happened. But then just like all the other doors that opened up, you know, like I've just creating other products and like we have a hair oil and a skin oil and I'm obsessed with skin oils like obsessed skin oil the reason why we have a skin oil so when we launched before we launched it was going to be a hair brand I was going to do hair and shampoo conditioner bars I was going to do like was just going to focus on hair I had no intention of doing anything with skin I gave our product to a retailer so they have beauty scouts that test all their products that are in like beta phase or whatever and so we gave them a whole lot of stuff to test and I was in America at the time trying to sell my product to like goop and and whoever would have it basically and at this time it was like it's a hair oil like how cool like hair 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 whatever and then I get this email like three o'clock in the morning from the lady at Mecca and she was like so 
like one of our beauty scouts have just emailed us and she's put your hair oil on her face. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, what's happened? And I was like, why, why did she do this? And I remember like not even wanting to scroll down to read the rest of the email. Cause I was like, her, ha- oh, her face is super hairy now yeah. <laughs> on her beard. Like, or like, or like she had laser treatment and now it's all grown back. I'm like, oh no, what's happened? And so like, I was like, oh God. And she was like, and so she struggled with psoriasis her whole life and her psoriasis has cleared up in two weeks. And I was like, what? She was like, so we're not sure what's in this oil. We don't know if there's like, if it's like one particular ingredient, but perhaps you want to expand the range to do skin as well. So she's like, I don't know if that like puts your plans out of action, but she's like, I just thought like it would be something you'd want to know. And maybe you want to like explore that avenue. And I was like, oh, okay. It's like, well, that's interesting. So then I was like, everyone that I knew, I'm like, can you test this on your skin? (laughs) And like, my sister is like really bad eczema. I'm like, can you put on your eczema, see how it works? And, And like, lo and behold, people were like having amazing results with it. But there were ingredients in the hair oil that are specifically for hair. So we got rid of all of those. We got rid of the scent because a lot of people said they don't want to smell anything when it's on their face. They're like, I don't want to smell, you know, anything. Got rid of the scent and then added oils that were specific for like skin. So like rosehip, jojoba, um, sandalwood that are amazing for skin. So they're, they're similar but different. But then, yeah, and then we did a skin oil and then it was like, all right, well, we were like literally ready to launch. And I'm like, well, we better start again. Like give it another 12 months and let's work on this. So it was just like. And how's it going? Where are you? Are you in yeah, Mecca now? it's really good. We're not, we're not in Mecca, but we are talking to a couple of retailers. So Adore Beauty and Sephora. Sephora like emailed us randomly like two weeks ago. We are having a lot of orders in the US. So have you, are you guys on Clubhouse, the app? I've gone on it a couple of times, but I, yeah, I just can't Mouse have Clubhouse? another thing that takes up my time it's very, on my It takes phone. up a lot of time. Yeah. Agreed. It's very like time consuming, especially because like you can find like rooms go for like hours and you're mm. like, I intended to stay for 20 minutes and now it's three hours. But what anyway, is it? It's like an audio based app. I used to refer to it as live podcasting. It's really not. It's it's more like conversations. It's like, like talkback radio almost, talk back radio. but like yeah. on specific topics and people host yeah. different rooms and you can ask to come up on the stage to like give your yes. point of view. Yeah, it is It is like talkback radio. That's probably like the best way to describe it. Um, but you can see who's in the room. So there's a really good like beauty community in Clubhouse, but they're all based in the US. So I joined just because I was like, oh yeah, let's see if I can like network with people. And it's been the most amazing platform because there are founders of like quite big brands in the US, like Youth to the People, Poses, Indie Lee, like Glow Recipe, and they're all very active on there. And I've just been able to like chat to them and then like build personal relationships with them on like Instagram. Like they've all gone and purchased our products and have offered to like mentor and all that sort of stuff. And it's just been amazing. And I think because of that and because like everyone in those rooms are basically from the US and then I talk about our brand and then we just seem to get a lot of traction from customers in the US. So, Oh, thank you. I was just giggling to myself because I had a similar situation. I guess I was an unintentional beauty scout where I was really tired one night and instead of using like eye makeup remover, I used nail polish remover on my eyes. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't recommend it. It doesn't work both ways. Sophie, that has a child lock on it. How did you manage? I do not know and I was literally like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and not be able to see. That was the only thing. I could think 
about when you were talking about putting the hair oil on your face. <laughs> anyway, I've done the work for everyone. Don't oh put nail God. polish from your eyes. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. Are we able to circle back a little bit just because we yes, haven't ever spoken to anyone about this, but how did you feel as someone who had had an eating disorder in the past, yes. um, seeing your body change so much while you were pregnant and postpartum? Oh yeah, it was a massive, massive struggle. So Pregnancy was okay. I think I was like, I'm growing a baby. This is cool. I struggled with not being able to exercise because I was so sick. And I think in my head, I had had this thing of like, I'm going to go walking every day. I'm going to do prenatal Pilates. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I literally like could not even get out of bed. And I remember I had a Fitbit at the time. And like, I think it was like a week after just being bedridden. It was like beeping like, you haven't done any steps in like forever. You've done 23 and steps I, today. Like, You're like, yeah. yeah. And I remember. That's to I the toilet took, and back. I took, yeah, I took it off and I was just like, stuff, this is going to like mess me up. So I took it off. I put it away and I was like, I'm not putting the Fitbit on. So like, God, like I'm not, put, I'm not touching it like throughout the whole pregnancy. Because I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't want to know. And so that was really hard, I think, because I'd had all these pre- conceived ideas of what my pregnancy was going to look like. I was like, I'm going to do all of this stuff. And I just couldn't. So that was really hard to deal with. And then I did find myself like trying to really control my diet because I was like, well, if I can't exercise and I have to eat well. And thankfully my journey was like very, like my family knew about all the stuff that was happening before. And so, and my sister's very much like a no bullshit kind of person. And she's like, "You're, you're being an idiot. You're growing a child you need to snap out of this like now. And so I was like, okay, I really do need to snap out of it. And so like after that, I was like, like I need to think about my child, not about myself and managed to snap out of it with the pregnancy. Post baby, I was one of those people that could not lose weight until I stopped breastfeeding. So literally I remember like while I was breastfeeding, I was doing exercise. I was going for walk. I was taking the pram. I was going for walks. I was doing everything like, Pilates class, like as much as I could, like as soon as the doctor was like, you can exercise. I was like at getting a gym membership. I was like, I need to like get back to my pre-baby weight. And like, it just was not shifting. Like I could not lose like a hundred grams, like nothing. And I was like, hmm. what is happening? Yeah. And, and then I found I was like hungrier because I was doing all this exercise. Plus I was breastfeeding and I'm like, oh, I'm just like, I just want to eat everything. <laughs> and then I remember going to my doctor and I was just like, what is happening? And she's like, look, she's like, I don't know if this, this is exactly what's happening. She's like, I have had patients in the past who have had eating disorders and they've gotten pregnant and it's like their body goes into, into like a mode of like, we need to hold on to everything yeah. to the baby because, because we know that we can't trust you. Yeah, Basically wow. it's like your body, your body goes into like survival mode for your child, not for you. Yeah. Um, and so they hold on to every ounce of fat because it's been in like starvation mode before. So it knows it's like your body's like that it so could go smart back there. Yeah. That it could go back there. And so she was like, I've had patients who have had very similar experiences to you who have had eating disorders. So she's like, I'm not sure if that's why it's happening. And she's like, it could be. She's like, there are also people that just don't lose weight until they stop breastfeeding. It's a thing. And so she's like, it just could be like, that's just how your body is. But she's like, it could also be because of the eating disorder. So Literally after I stopped breastfeeding her, so I breastfed till she was 12 months. She stopped. She was like at 12 months. I remember like I went to feed her and she was like, no. And I was like, really? And then I tried again and she was like putting it away. She's like, mommy, like put it away. Like I don't want it. I was like, okay. I was like, okay, we're done. And literally like two weeks after I stopped breastfeeding, I dropped so much weight without even trying. It's like my body was like, oh, 
like we don't need to feed the baby anymore. But I think it was it was so tough in those months because I was like, I have a daughter now, you know. I was like, I don't want to pass on any of these like body image traits. And I was like, who knows if she can pick up things from like, you know, being a baby and like even just like thoughts of like, I don't look good or like, you know, I feel fat or whatever. Like I just didn't want to have those thoughts around her, but it was, it was hard. It was really hard. And then having Arden, like second baby. And then the same thing happened. Couldn't lose weight until I stopped breastfeeding him. I was a bit more prepared for it this time because I knew it was coming. But yeah, I mean, I think in some ways COVID was good because we didn't go anywhere. So I didn't have that pressure of like, everyone's looking at me when no one's looking at you, like no one's looking at you, Rochelle. Is there anything that you're consciously doing to be more body positive around your daughter, considering what you've been through in the past? I mean, Jade and I between us have five girls and it's definitely something I'm conscious of, but never having, you know, suffered from issues with disordered eating I guess it would be interesting from your perspective like what are triggers what are things that we shouldn't say in front of them I definitely do not compare her to anyone so I think growing up again like this was just like you know my mum had no idea but she would often compare us to other girls whether it was like you know, oh, look at her. She's such a good, like she cleans up so well or whatever. Like she studies so hard and always being compared. Like that was just like standard. And so like, I never compare her. Like if if she's doing something naughty, I never say like, well, you know, like your best friend, Evelyn, like she doesn't do that or whatever. Like I never, ever, never compare. I also am very comfortable about getting changed in front of my kids. So, um, you know, getting dressed, and then, you know, they, they always come and like play with like my, my flabby bits, which is fine. They like to play, like squeeze it. And I show her my stretch marks and I'm like, can you see this? I was like, how cool are these? She's like, what is that? And I was like, that's like, mommy got that because you were in my tummy. Like, isn't that special? And so like just showing her that it's like a really like, it's a special a thing. Positive. It's not like a thing to be. Yeah. And then I was like, so I was quite a chubby child growing up and um, I got stretch marks as a kid, like very young. But my mum used to tell me that they were veins. I don't know why she just didn't tell me that was stretch marks. Because I was like, I think it's whatever. one of those things that you do to try and protect your kid. But really, yeah. in hindsight, it probably would it's have probably been better to just like, be honest. Like, yeah, and so she's like, they're just red veins, and I was like, okay. And then I remember it was actually quite a traumatic thing in primary school. It was like the school musical, and we're all in the back getting changed for like the next scene. And I was getting changed and a girl pointed to me and she's like, Rochelle's got stretch marks. And I was like, these are veins. And then she was like, no, they're not. They're stretch marks. Like you've got stretch marks. And then it was like it, the whole school was backstage and everyone was just looking at me. And I was like, my oh, mom told me these kids, were veins. Eh? I know. I was just like, oh. And it wasn't even a thing that I, and I just was like, remember being like, but my mom said they were, and then I was like, are these veins? What are these? Like, I don't even know. What did you say to your mom? (laughs) Well, you know, I didn't even tell her it happened because like, I just was like, whatever. And then I remember telling my sister about this like recently. And she's like, dude, that's so traumatic. And I was like, yeah, that is, isn't it? She's like, that's really traumatic. She's like, no wonder like you've always had like issues with your body and stuff when like that happened in front of the whole school. And like, I just never dealt with it. I just was like, oh, well, just like, you know, bury it and move on. Especially at that time, you know, how old were you? I would have been in like grade three or four. So yeah, like 
like eight or nine. But then I also talk about exercise with my kids as being like a good thing. And we do it for like, I don't do it to like lose weight. I don't do it to look good. I do it because it makes mommy feel good. So yeah. like she knows I go to Pilates and then she's always like, when can I come to a class? And I'm like, not for a long time, but <laughs> you know, and so we try and do stretches at home and, and we go for like try to do walks together and stuff. And it's, it's a thing that we do it to be healthy. And so I try to talk about being healthy as opposed to like looking a certain way. Yeah. And you know, like if she ever points out, like I think one day she was like, my tummy is so big from being full. And I'm like, your tummy is so beautiful. I was like, I love your tummy, you know? And like, just, yeah. just talking about like, just always like reaffirming her that she's beautiful and that you know, because I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't care if she goes to school and she's like, tells everyone, I'm like, I'm the most beautiful princess in the world. Because like, great. That's a great thing to like believe in herself. My husband said today, he said to Mia, he handed her a smoothie and goes, get that down, you fat gob. And she was like, I don't have a fat gob. He's like, oh, no, it's it's like a figure of speech. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean that. So he had to retract oh his speech because it was just like, no, that's not the right thing to say. You got to be careful. It's so true. And then like they, they totally pick up on things like especially like I mean we like I, I don't let her say the word stupid because she ref- once she referred to someone being stupid and I was like no 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 that's not okay and then I cracked it about like the stupid microwave or something well not the microwave but whatever and then she was just like mommy you can't say stupid I was just like you're like it's allowed with inanimate objects just <laughs> yeah. not human I know. and then like and then I always say crap and then I'm like oh this random crap and then she's like oh the random crap and I'm like you're not allowed to say that and she's like but you say that and I'm just like <laughs> oh god my my daughter regurgitates more than just crap that's for sure <laughs> the other day so i heard funny. her mutter under her breath oh fuck and i was like <gasps> no what did you just oh say gosh. she's like nothing i and can't I believe like, that goldie is not said a word that. you're allowed yeah goldie yeah it was her first word <laughs> <Goldie>. <laughs> no it wasn't goldie it wasn't kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I've been trying to make a conscious effort of, you know, complimenting Poppy especially on more than just Mm. like looking beautiful because everywhere we go people are always like, oh, your beautiful curly hair. It's like the first thing that everyone says to her and I'm like I want her to know that she's like more than her hair, like, you know, and so much more than being cute or being beautiful. And I mean I don't think there's anything wrong with telling her that she's beautiful. I want her to know that she's beautiful but I want her to know that she's so much more than that and I focus I focus on like the acts that they do and commend Mm. that so you know I don't like to like if they get dressed obviously they want to know that they look good but I I will ask them if they feel good you know like does it make you feel good well then that's all that matters and then you know if they do something and they've acted a certain way like they've been respectful or they've they've done something in a positive way then I will compliment that and I always try and be mindful of it because I just feel like you know we don't want to raise well my partner and I especially don't want to raise children that are so concerned about their body image and their Mm. you know all these flaws because we are we're surrounded by it and I'm worried in the future in the near future that they're going to become teenagers and absolutely really struggle with society and social media so we're just doing our part now to try and reduce that and I guess this is what you know Sophie and I do with the podcast and I try and portray on social 
social media that, you know, we are all so much more than just our appearance. And I read something the other day and it was about let's stop putting like kind of like moral adjectives on physical traits. So instead of saying like Mm. my skin looks bad, it's like, you know, you can be like, oh, my skin's really sensitive today or my skin's Mm. really dry rather than like a physical trait being good or bad. Yeah, I like that. I feel like I try to like remind my kids like it's about being kind and just being inclusive. And it was funny the other day I picked her up from childcare and her teachers told me that she, there was a new girl that started um, that day and she wrote, she kept making her cards to make her feel welcome. And so I was like, and then, and then she was like, she's like, what a sweetheart. She's like, she freaked out because she ran out of paper and she's like, what am I going to make cards out of now? (laughs) And they were like, look, I think like the five cards she's got, I think she's got the message. (laughs) She's welcome. (laughs) She's actually (laughs) thinks you're a stalker now. So let's just back off. Probably probably a bit much. And then like, I remember like got in the car and I was just like, that was such a nice thing you did. And it's like, I love that. Like, even like at childcare, for example, like when they get to, when they tell you of those little things that they do that I don't get to see and like being able to praise that and be like that was amazing like that you did that today and like that's a great thing to do as a friend you know to show someone that they're welcome and loved and all that sort of thing. Are you doing anything consciously now to raise your kids to be proud of the culture? Yes so my daughter goes to Tamil school so we enrolled her this year and she loves it. I was not sure what to expect Actually, she's a little cheeky. We didn't know if she understood the language because she tells us she doesn't. So if I speak to her, if I say something to her in Tamil, she'll be like, can you speak English? I don't know what you're saying. So I remember I dropped her off and I said to the teacher, look, I don't know what she understands. Do you want me to stay? And they were like, no, it's better if you don't stay. Like, it's good for her to like, just, you know, picked her up at the end of the class. The teacher was like, she understood everything. I was like, what? They were like, so everything. She understood everything. So Willow goes to Tamil class. Arden will start when he's three. My parents speak to the kids in Tamil. We try to incorporate like Sri Lankan food into our diet like once or twice a week. And yeah, it's amazing. So I'm like, it's not it's not a hard thing to do. But I mean, I try to get my mum to cook it because she's way better than me. And then we also spend a lot of time with like my Sri Lankan side of the family. We spend time with both, but but we do spend a lot of time at the Sri Lankan side because there's like kids on that side as well. And like just getting her like, because I think that was the one, one thing I loved about my childhood was like, there was such a big Tamil community that we'd all spend like all these events with. We'd go to all these events together. And then like you grow up. And then you go to uni and you're like, I know you, like we, we went to Tamil school together. And it's like this, like, you know, this like little connection that you have with all these people. So that's something that we're doing as well. And then Willow's also going to start doing Bharatanatyam, which is like the Indian dancing because she loves dancing. But yeah. And then I think like, I'm also doing my best to like speak as much as I can with the kids in Tamil. So my Tamil's not great. Like I'm really good. I can understand, but it's not like my like speaking is hard. So I'm trying to speak with them as well. So like, I guess it's good because we're all like on the journey together. And then it's really funny that my last name's Curry because, you know. So that's your married name. <laughs> is it? <laughs> that's my married name. Wow. Yeah, Curry. It's so funny. My dad at my wedding, he's like, oh, his speech was like, literally, it was like a 10 word speech. He said, Rochelle said she'd never marry a Curry boy. Because, you know, in like, yeah, it's probably like so racist, but like in like, like we all refer to each other as curries, like, which is so funny because when I went to Canada 
and I hung out with my cousins who are also Sri Lankan and I referred to like, I was like, oh yeah, the curry crew or whatever. And they were just like, the what? And I was like, the curry people, you don't say that. But I feel like like, you're allowed to say it when it's. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's like classic white thing. It's like, oh, they say it so I can say it. It's like, that is not, (laughs) No, no, that is not okay. My cousins in Canada who are also Sri Lankan, they were so offended. And I was like, well, what do you call? And they were like, we call them Asian. Like, we're Asian. And I was like, oh, I was like, not in Australia. Like, we're definitely not Asian. Like, we are, but we're not. Um, And then he was like, no, here we're Asian. And I was like, he's like, curry? He's like, you guys call people curries? I was like, yes. But, um, yeah, and so, like, he was like, and now she's forever going to be Mrs. Curry, which is, like, so so funny. funny. Do you think Willow's ever noticed before that her, I mean, she's mixed race, but do you think she's noticed before that she's darker than, say, some of her peers? I didn't think so. But then there's this little girl at her school who's also mixed. They look like they could be sisters, very similar complexions, very similar hair, all that sort of stuff. And we're driving the car one day and she was just talking about all her friends and she mentioned this girl and she's like, you know, she's brown like me. And I was like, oh, you know that you're brown. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I was like, didn't realize you knew that. Okay. And then she's like, and then she talked about her other friend and she's like, she's got blonde hair. She's like, sometimes I want blonde hair. And I was like, oh God, it started. And yeah. I was like, no, but you know, like your hair is like the perfect color for you. Like it is the best hair for you. And like, that's how my parents used to say to us as kids growing up, they would always be like, you know, God made you perfect. Like your hair matches your skin color perfectly and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Which is something like I definitely like, I love my hair color now, but it was like a journey of like, why can't I have blonde hair and blue eyes? Like, why can't I just have like foundation that I can buy from like the $2 shop that, do you remember that Be Yourself brand? (laughs) Maybe not. Anyway, Be Yourself. It was like this cheapo brand that you could buy at like, I don't know, Priceline or something. And like, they never made foundation to suit me, but my mum was never going to buy me like Maybelline or whatever. Cause like, you know, no way. But like, I remember I would buy like the darkest shade, which was like not even dark. And I would just like put it on and be like, come on. Like if I just like rub it in hard enough. (laughs) But like, yeah. So I think she's definitely noticing it now. And my son is actually very fair. So they look very different, which is genetics are wild. So she's more like my skin color. And like when he was born, I was like, is he going to tan? Like, is he going (laughs) to? And like, I remember going to my pediatrician once and he was like, yeah, I actually don't think he's going to tan up. Like, I think he's going to be this like, you know, like he's like, you actually have to be really sun smart with this. If one, you and your like, partner were the other way around, like an affair may have been on the I cards. know, right? <laughs> so true. And like, it's so funny because when Ben's parents take Willow out, like, for example, like when they take her to the park by themselves, my mother in law would always say, like, yeah, she always gets funny looks. People look at her like, it's mm, weird. Like, that was know, me like, with my dad growing up because oh. I'm a quarter Chinese, but um, have quite olive complexion and my dad's white and like once we went on holidays just the two of us and I was like maybe 16 and this sounds really wrong but he's like can you please make sure that you make it clear like when we check into hotels and stuff that you call me dad Dad, because people are looking at us weirdly wow yeah that's crazy I mean like and then, well, that was the thing. I was like, well, now that Arden's here, I was like, my parents are probably going to have that with him when they mm. take him out because they'll be like, that kid like, does not look like he belongs to you. Ben had gone to this cafe that my mum takes Willow to all the time. 
And so the lady just knows my mom and Willow. So like, she doesn't know her. And so Ben went in with, with Willow and she was like staring at him like, who's this person? <laughs> and so she's like, she like, you know, gave him their drinks. And then she said to him at the end, she's like, does her grandmother know you're here? <laughs> and then Ben was like, her grandmother. And he's like, this is my, like, I'm her dad. And then she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And she's like, I was really confused. I didn't. And I think because Willow's dad. Let me call off the cops. Let me call off the cops. She's like, she probably assumed that Willow's dad would have been Sri Lankan too because, like, you know, she's just, you know, assume. I don't know. And then I was just like, that's so funny. It's definitely something I'm in, like, it'll be interesting to see, like, as she grows up, like, how that whole thing plays out. But, yeah. And, you know, like, I'm reading a lot about, like, Meghan Markle at the moment. And a lot of like mixed race. And the fact that there is like the the struggle of like, well, I don't fit in anywhere. Or like, you know, like what box do I tick? Am I white or am I not? Like, am I Sri Lankan or am I Australian? And so, you know, like reading about like her journey with that and like even like I don't know if you remember back in the day, she had like a blog called The Tig. And she called it the Tig because she went to a winery in Napa Valley or something and it was a wine that it wasn't white, but it wasn't, and it wasn't red. And right. it was like an in-between yeah. and, and they, and they called it the TIG. And so I was like, it, I think it, it'll be something that definitely plays out. And, and like, we will have to address as she grows up of like where she fits in and And, and all I of think that. it's becoming, you know, mixed race bubs are becoming more and more common like even being somewhat slightly mixed race growing up I felt odd and even little things like I remember I didn't go back to gymnastics because one time one chick was like why are you so tanned why is your skin so dark and like really in the scheme of things it's not at all Um, but I guess luckily because I think mixed race bubs are just absolutely the best yes they're they're becoming more and more common and um yeah it'll be yeah I mean I guess society kind of has to catch up with it that we shouldn't have to tick one box or the other yeah definitely what was interesting I was talking to someone at like this event and they were saying that how you know we refer to like you know the, the world being multicultural but because there are so many mixed race children and then when the mixed race children have you know, like say Willow marries someone that's also half something and half something else and then they have children, they're like, instead of being multicultural, it'll be polycultural because, and I was like, wow, so the world's like just evolving, which is just so cool. That's pretty cool. And genetics, as you say, are crazy, like how you have one child that looks more like you and then one that's super fair and then. So great. Oh, my gosh. Okay, funny story, just a quick one. I took him to the gallery the other day. I was wearing like, I feel like I was pretty like chilled out in like my trucky pants and my hoodie and he was in the pram. He was very well behaved because I think he was like, there's a lot of people here and it's like, you know, whatever. And I was chatting to this lady in like the kids section and then she asked me if I worked for many families. (gasps) And I was like, what? Oh, and then I was like, no, (sighs) he's mine. I was like, it didn't like click straight away. And I was just like, no, like this is my stuff. Like I know he doesn't really look like it, but yeah, he's definitely. My I'm friend like, Gemma gets that all like... the time because she's no half way. Thai and her kids are both really fair. And whenever she's at the park with them, people assume she's the nanny. The nanny, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, I got it once when we were in Singapore, but then like a, a random lady asked me if I was a nanny, but then in Singapore, like everyone has a nanny. So yeah, I was yeah. like, it's not so Fair weird. Cool. Yeah. But I was like, wow, I can't believe that. I was just like, that's so funny. But I was like, no, he's mine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I feel like the three of us could talk all day and underwater, but thank you so much for coming on and chatting about things from, you know, about your upbringing and the way you're raising your beautiful children and everything yeah. else in between. I feel like we've covered a lot and we cannot wait to try some of the Nilla products too. And I think you've ticked off a fair few sensitive topics today. So (laughs) we can really appreciate it. I love it. Thank People you so are always asking also for stories on bubs with colic. And I feel like you touched on that for one second, oh but gosh. I feel like then if we delve down that rabbit hole, we'll be yes. here for another oh hour. So, so we'll have true. to cover that another time. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful. And I love your podcast so Aww. much. So it's such an honor. We love oh, you. Yeah. Such a privilege such to get to speak to incredible women like yourself. So thank, thank you, you so much. Bye. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on ya. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.